Hey everybody, welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. Hey, this is Ryan Parker. And we're a couple dudes with PhDs in theology who watch a lot of television. Do podcasts. We watch too much television, probably. <laughs> you watch too much. You should see my you should see my DVR right now. I have anxiety attacks every Dude, day because I'm never gonna watch it all. I can barely watch I barely find time to watch the one hour like I was okay, let me just I say I may have watched five hours of TV yesterday. Maybe. <laughs> Okay, Ryan, I want to tell you, here's how I watched this episode. Sitting in my car in the rain, waiting for my kids' lacrosse practice to end because it was running long, and I was watching it on my phone, worrying about how much data I was using because we're probably go over data. Hey, Hulu, do you hear this? Hook a brother up. Hook a brother up. like Help him out. Why can I not download these? So I was watching it, and I was, anyways, in the rain waiting for lacrosse practice to end after a super, super busy day. But I did watch it. It's a super good episode. It's riveting, right? Let's talk about that episode because we've got a guest. It's The Handmaid's Tale, Season 1, Episode 5. Called Faithful. Is that what Interesting title. Faithful. And we want to welcome on to the podcast... We tried to get her on Luke Cage, but she was too busy. So now we're getting her on, Danielle Schroyer. She is the author of many books, but most important Many books. Most importantly. Many people have read her books. Most importantly, Original Blessing. She has she is a pastor theologian. She is a mom and a wife and a jogger cuz she just got back from a run. Danielle Schroyer, welcome to Killer Serials. Thanks for having me, guys. You, you just, I mean, you're a jet setter. You just got back from a guest preaching gig in Chicago. You land, and now you jump on the Killer Serials podcast. It's, uh... It's what you do. It's, it's what people do. Because I'm going to talk about The Handmaid's Tale. I'm dying to talk about it. The Handmaid's Tale, um, based on a novel that Ryan and I have not read, but you have read. So, yes. before we get into episode five... How do you th- you just read the you just read this novel like last week? A couple weeks ago. Yeah, in a day. I read it like in a day. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about the complexion of the novel relative to the complexion of the show. Well, I the novel is very dark. I mean, it's very skeletal and stark and she's just in her own mind and she's she's terrified the whole time. And so I think I mentioned on Twitter to you, Tony, like, I think the first couple episodes of the show, I thought, man, they're getting the tone wrong because there was not a lot of defiance in the character of the handmaid. So so you're saying in the novel, there's not much defiance, but early on in the show, you see seeds of defiance in her. She's got a lot more nuance and not that the, I mean, you know, she's, she's definitely you know, reading those Latin words and she wants to figure that out and she's trying to find ways to have strength. But at least maybe it's because I did sit down and read it like all in one day, but I felt there was so much terror that she just felt almost paralyzed by the, the extent of what had happened. And so that's why I thought the tone was off. But now I'm, I'm with it. Like we're five episodes in and I'm down with the program. They've changed a lot of the narrative, but I'm cool with it. I like the way that they're taking it. I don't mind that they're changing it if they keep to what I think is the heart of the show. So the heart um, of the I show and the heart they, of and the heart I mean, of the novel. The heart of the book. Yeah. 
the heart of the book. But I do think that in the, they could have actually made the first couple of episodes more scary. I actually think that they got the terror. It was too low. I'm not Whoa. kidding. It was too that's low. It. I was that's like, dark. I'm sorry, are they talking? No, they don't just walk around their rooms talking. Like she doesn't get to leave her house. Like she's just in her room or shopping and she doesn't talk when they're shopping. Like they just, it's supposed to be mostly silent all the time. And so it felt really casual to me to watch the first couple episodes. Um, compared That's interesting. Yeah. Well, Ryan, uh, run down episode five. Give us a little recap of the plot that uh, uh, spools out. Again, not like a, not a huge jump forward in terms of plot. We get another great flashback to her meeting her husband. So it seems like these flashbacks keep taking us further back in who she is as a woman, right? So we have that one side. And the other side in this kind of dystopia, she's plotting with or is uh, being coerced by Mrs. Waterford to have sex with another man to try to get pregnant because she has the, she's assuming that the fault might lie with, with Fred. And so they had, she has sex with Nick. Um, she's back out in the world. You know, she was, she kind of manipulated Fred to get her freedom. And so she's back out in the world. She's shopping. She's talking with her sister handmaidens and she learns about what happens to Offglen, who is now off Steven. Yeah. And who's this, Emily, who's this, really Emily. This terrifies her. She, this is a very traumatic uh, revelation for her. She also confronts Nick, asks him if he's an I. Um, and then in the end of the episode, again, you know, spoiler, but we're assuming that everybody's watched already. She runs back to Nick at the end of the episode and they have sex again. And this is kind of how the episode ends. So, again, not not a lot going on, but... But they, but they, but they, they have, play against, she plays but they have game passionate, of, but they have passionate. Yeah, it's different. It's, it's different. It's the, yeah. it's the first quasi-normal sex scene in this whole thing, which it's still super messed up. But. Still so weird. And yeah. then the final, and finally, uh, she plays, she plays another game of Scrabble with Fred, and it's in these, uh, in these two or three events, two or three moments in the episode, the conversations there where we really get into the themes that I think we want to talk about now. Yeah. So let's hit those themes and get some reaction from Pastor Danielle. I th- yeah, so I think the first uh, the first thing is let's just start a kind of big picture as, as Tony's already done a little bit, Danielle. We've spent four ep- four we've had four conversations about this and it's been two guys talking about watching this show and our reactions to it and the feelings it creates. But we've also talked a bit about how we know women who watch the show and quote unquote, love it as much as you can love something like this. And then we know we are married to two women who will never watch this ever and think it's kind of crazy that we watch it. So what's your experience been like watching the first five episodes now? You know, the weird thing is that I, I, there are tons of shows that I can't watch. Like I can't watch the walking dead. I can't watch a whole bunch of shows that are, that you guys have probably talked about on, on your podcast, but I don't know for some reason, I mean, it's awful. Like it's every, it's all of every woman's worst nightmares coming true. Like the, the lack of control over your own body and your own life. It's terrifying. I guess 
The reason why I watch it is because I'm constantly thinking, like, what would I do? Which I would not last five seconds in Gilead for sure. <laughs> I would be, like, the first one to just get all the – everything would be mutilated yeah, yeah. and chopped – like, my no, hands no. would be chopped off at episode one. But I don't know. I guess um, for me it's about channeling that sense of, like, how would I find power? How would I find my power even when they're trying to take it away? And. Um, to watch what they're doing with these characters and how they're trying to figure that out for them, I think is really interesting. So it's not it, what you guys were saying. It's endurance television, right? Like I don't, um, I have to close my eyes. You know, there's some parts that I just, I really can't watch. Wait, 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 wait. Have you been listening to our podcast? I did before I the came one on. Person. What, what? She's, she's the I'm one person. I found her. my homework. All so, right. Uh, here we go. You just touched on something that we've talked a little bit about so far, this notion of resistance. So where do you see these women exercising power? Because we've, we've seen, we've kind of hinted at in some small things, which I think given the world that they're in are very big things. Yeah, I know. I'm, tr- I'm trying not to be, I can't say what I would do in that situation. I would, I would like to think like when I watch it, I think, Oh, I would have been, I would just, I would just basically tell that guy off. Like every single ceremony, I would just pop off with something. You would like get like, in the you, you, you would right? you would jump in a BMW, drive some <laughs> circles, and run over one of the guards. Like a rape, like a grape, like a grape. Danielle, that's a very short story. It's a, right. That's what I'm saying. Like I would be a minimal character because I would never get anywhere. So. Uh- I was when she took the cookie, for example, I was like, I would have probably taken that cookie and just I would have taken it and I would have shoved it in my mouth and like eaten it in front of her. Like, yeah, I had that cookie. You know, I would sort of I don't know. I would probably play with it in different ways. And so I'm trying to honor those places where I see that rebellion coming up. And of course, I haven't ever been in that situation. So maybe I would be actually terrified so that's why I think if they're gonna if if they're going to have it where the women are so scared that they're not they're not resisting, they have to show the terror more. They okay. have to show. Okay, but Daniel, let me ask you this: um, it it seems to me now it, it did not play out in episode five, but in earlier episodes, why is Alfred putting up with all this shit? And she's, I she's, don't know because her daughter she wants it. She walks in episode one. She is walking and she sees whom, a girl who might be her daughter on a playground at a school. And so, like, why does she not jump in the BMW and, and run, out, run down a couple security guards? Because she hopes to see her daughter again. And we, the only glimpse we get of that in episode five is that Commander Fred says to her, like, oh, things are better now. I mean, this is the big... This is the like Bible verse of the of the episode, right? Like things are better now, but when it it's better for most, but it's not better for all. This kind of thing. Yeah, better never means better for everyone. It always means worse. Worse for some. For some. But she's like think, and she her counter narrative is no love really exists. I loved my husband. We've seen that in the flashbacks, and what we've yeah. got just little little tastes of is she has love for her daughter and that's what keeps her alive. That's why she's obeying all these rules rather than grabbing the garden shears and stabbing the commander's wife in the throat. 
right? That's what keeps her from doing it. Yeah, I think I think in her mind that is yes. And that's it's what certain, Emily. That's that, and, and that's what Emily slash off Glenn is lacking, which could be read in a more radical reading of this show as like kind of an anti-GLBT read is like she's basically suicidal because she doesn't have a child to live for. They've taken everything from her. I mean, and that 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 scene was so pivotal and um, awesome because it was like, what do I have to live for anymore? You've literally taken everything from me, so I might as well go out with a bang, you know, and yeah. just do the exact thing that I want to do, which is just run over you people. Let's talk about this notion of a better world. And it's the first time that we've had there's there's a lot of conversation from the ants about why they do what they do. Right. And it's under the umbrella of punishment. Right. Or retribution for the way the world had gone. But this is the first time I think that we hear somebody say on a positive or proactive note, this is why we're doing this. We're making the world a better place. But better doesn't mean better for everybody. Mm hmm. Does this make us think about, as people of faith, what a better world for everybody looks like? And is it even remotely possible? The horrible thing about that scene is that the guy who says we were trying to make the world a better place is the very guy who's the reason why the world was like that before, too. Like, it's all you start preaching now. Start preaching. Go ahead. It's this guy's fault. It's all his fault. So, like, the way that they, they're they making this all about women, I just am going to call BS on that every time. Because if he would get his act together, we wouldn't have had to fix anything. Like, there were men raping women, and now we're going to have women be handmaids. Like, how is that at all our fault, right? I, that's insane. When he says that, it just makes me want to absolutely go ballistic. But I do think it begs the question of what would happen in a world where better does mean better for everyone. And it means that Joseph Fine's character has to give up a lot of his power. He can't be, it, there can't be anyone called commander. Wait, 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 wait. That's, Danielle, not, better. Danielle, that's Danielle, not better for him, though. Far. You're going too far now. <laughs> <laughs> it is better for him. You know why? Because he's in a loveless marriage where he has all this power and he has no joy in it. Like, he's not having his best life now, that guy. He's this is exactly what we. This is exactly what we said last week at the at the risk of sounding like we're sympathizing with him. Oh, no. But it is worse. He is the worst. He's not having a good life. And if they do with him what they did in the book, just wait and you will you will see that he is a messed up guy, too. I know. I know this. I I do know this from uh, talking ahead to some people we're going to interview in future episodes. The, the perspective of the show does shift, at least for one episode, to his perspective. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> he might have a that soul, Danielle. Awesome. She might, no, he, might. he does, because original blessing requires you to say that not everybody is all good or all evil, but, but he is so much this. evil. Okay, but. so he says that if it's better for most, that means it's worse for some. Okay? Mm-hmm. He says that. as like a truth. Let me ask you this as a pastor theologian. The, the Christian eschatological promise is that, no, it's better for all. Are we just like li- deceiving ourselves to think that? 
No, really? I don't think it is because I think when you get rid of a world where there are commanders, they think that they're losing something, but they're not. Like, think of it this way: Do you, you? We probably all know someone who's in a relationship that's very patriarchal, like a marriage that's very patriarchal. We, I would imagine, our marriages are structured in different ways, and we would say, you know, honestly, if, like, if you gave that up and realized that the reciprocity that you get from an equal footing of power between two people is so much more life-giving that I don't know why you're holding on to this other thing, right? So they think that they, they're losing power, but actually, like, the life quotient that you get from sharing power with people is actually wonderful, in communities where people are all taken care of, maybe it feels like someone's, quote, losing power, but you're losing the wrong kind of power that then, you shouldn't then, have. Then why, doesn't every, then why doesn't everybody live on a commune or a kibbutz or whatever? Because people don't believe it because they don't believe why it. Why don't well, they believe you it? You live in a capitalist nation that tells you all the time that that's not how the story goes. So you have to really convince yourself that they're, that all of those marketers are wrong. And how many people do that? Not a lot. Yeah, it's true. Not a lot. But I, I think a lot of times the Christian ideal that it's what's good for everybody all the time runs up against what's basically what Commander Fred articulates is basically a utilitarian philosophy is we've set up a society that's better for most and that's the best you can do. So it's bad for a few but it's better for most. That's what we're up to. Except for they're not up to that. Like, let's just please be honest. Okay, and say, okay. I'm, I'm not saying that. That's crazy. I, of course, of course, that's true. But in some ways, that's immaterial to his argument because he's not arguing about data and facts. Like, hey, we've polled, <laughs> we <laughs> we've polled the oh, populace, yeah. and the majority of people think they're better off than they were four years ago. You know, it's not about that. But it's about the, the philosophical position of utilitarianism in that what we're trying to do is create a society that's better for the greater number of people. Some people are going to get caught in the, in the um, gears of that society and get ground to bits. But you know what? There's nothing we can do about that. We're trying to make it better for more people. And, and let's just say... To complexify this narrative, okay, in episode five, the new Offglen says to Offred, as they're walking, you know, she's the new partner to walk into town and go grocery shopping. I used to have sex behind a dumpster in order to get enough money to buy oxys. So I love that they updated because I'm sure in the novel she was addicted to like. In 1985, some other street drug, but now it's like oxycodone. She's like addicted to an opioid, right? Which I love. And then, and she's like, now I get three squares a day and people who care for me. So don't mess, don't mess this up for me. And you didn't buy that because we thought of, but I I also thought of, uh, sure, but I also thought of people who we've seen in life who are, uh, addicts or they have whatever path they've taken and they find relief or salvation through cults and we all look around and they say this is better this is better and I'm like well g- give it time you know <laughs> right 
But that's the same thing. That's the same thing. How do we how do we hold up? How do we hold that? Didn't we all learn that in social psychology in in our undergrad? Is that like if you join the Marine Corps or pledge a fraternity or whatever, like there's a bit of a Stockholm syndrome that goes on and you convince yourself that all the shit you're going through is worth it to be part of this group you're in? Right. Yeah. So And it's BS. It's always all it's all BS. Nevertheless, didn't that counter narrative of like, don't mess this up for me because this is better than what I had before. Danielle, you didn't buy that. Well, I, in the sense that no, like think of the sex she's having right now that it's crazy. She's being used as a human baby vessel. Like she has no other utilitarian value in society other than her uterus. Like that's not better, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a different kind of violence that she's experiencing. I guess she finds it more pleasurable than behind the alley, but is it the same thing? Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. But that being said, you know, I don't know. I just think we have to, I, you guys, and you guys talked about this. I know I heard about one of the aunts saying like, soon this will all be normal, you know? It'll be easier when we don't know the other way. And I, I just, when I watch the show, and maybe that's one of the, the, the ways that I watch this as a woman, is that I'm just not going to give in to any tiny bit of this narrative as okay. So I'm just pretty much always going to call BS on that stuff. But I did appreciate that they brought it up, that for some people, they think that this is a moral step up or a better, you know, but the guy in prison, like the guy who's in prison getting three squares a day saying it's better than being on the street, you know, but is that better? Like, I mean, there are those narratives, Danielle. Always, and I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know them firsthand, but there are those narratives of, you know, you watch uh, it, it. It's not uh, it's not uncommon when you watch a show like you watch The Sopranos or you watch The Wire or something. And some guy who's been in prison a long time gets out and it's like, I can't make it out here. And he commits another crime so that he can go back to prison because he's like, oh, I get this. Like, this makes sense to me. I understand. I know how to negotiate this world. There's a little of that in Orange is the New Black, which I love that show. And there's a little bit of that of like, I'm about to get released. Holy shit, how am I going to make it on the outside world? You know, that kind of thing. Right. Well, it's very Shawshank Redemption, you know? The guy kills himself because he can't make it in the outside world. That's, it's heartbreaking. Spoiler alert. See, oh, come on. Everyone's seen Shawshank Redemption from, like, 1985 <laughs> at this point. But, and if you haven't, shame on you. It's a fantastic movie. But the, but the point of it is we have failed that man that left prison and couldn't make his life for himself because we did not rehabilitate him, which is the point of prison. So, again, like... If prison was better for him, that's because we did a terrible job, which gets us back to the point of, like, better for everyone. So I, as, as a Christian, have to say, well, we just have to hold the line that we're not utilitarian, actually. Um, there's yeah. nothing about the gospel that's utilitarian, and we have to say that it is better for everyone. That doesn't mean that we don't sacrifice or suffer to make things better for everyone, but that in our sacrifice and suffering, it's not, it's not this weird martyrdom kind of thing that we're experiencing. It's just the travails of, of human life and being in solidarity with one another. It's worth it. I, I appreciate the inclusion of these m- moments in the 
series in each episode, not to say, oh, we agree with them or somehow this paints it in a better light, but it shows just how truly, as you've pointed out over and over, just truly how messed up this is and how broken it is. Because a lot of times dystopian narratives fall in a trap of being either or, right? You're either removed completely from the mess of life and you live off by yourself on a mountain somewhere, or you are these evil guys who are these roaming pack of bandits, right? Who are pillaging and raping and all that kind of stuff. And there's never any in between. And I think to this show's credit, it's doing a little bit of that uh, with some of this. So I think in keeping with this notion of trying to make it better for everybody, there are these nods. And again, with the new Offlin who talks about her previous life, kind of living behind a dumpster and whatever. There's a moment that's where we're thrown back to the past through Alfred and Fred's interaction after Game of Scrabble where he gives her a present. And there are conversations around... This is when we talk about the world being a better place. There are other conversations that they have. Danielle, what would you make of that exchange in that moment? This is like the most violent exchange in this whole episode, including when they ran over someone with a car. This part is the worst part of the whole episode to me. That's awesome. Oh, because it's just everything horrible about this, the gender dynamics in one scene. Like he's has all the power. You know, they just had this sex scene where he actually looked at her, which was could get her murdered. Thanks. And touched her. Yeah, and he touched her, right? And then she and she has the um, guts to go in there and call him on that and say, like, you know that I could actually get killed and sent to the colonies for that. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Which is, you know, I guess. He well, he kind of says that, but he kind of also says, like, I got, I got this. I can yeah. cover for you. Yeah. Yeah, because I have all the power. Um, and then he t- opens this drawer and takes out this magazine, this like glossy magazine, and is like, I have a present for you. As if every woman in the world wants to read this magazine. He's just assuming that all women are exactly the way that he wants them to be, which is that they do nothing but think about how to make themselves desirable for him. That's his entire worldview of women. And he's like, oh, have you have, have you not been able to read words in X amount of years? Let me give you words, except for I'm not going to give you, like, Mark Twain or, you know, Virginia Woolf. I'm going to give you pablum that I, as a person who created masculine, the male gaze culture, demanded that you conform to in a magazine. Okay. And, like, but I'm of just course saying, she reads it. I don't know what happens in the novel, but I wanted her to be, like throw it back on the desk and be like can I grab something off the shelf instead her inner her her like inner monologue says I used to buy these in airports and read them while I was flying like right. of course you read Cosmo and People while you were you know flying which is that I did I did I was personally disappointed that Alfred didn't be like screw you buddy yeah give <laughs> me something like I want to read the city yeah, of God by Augustine. I'll take that. Yeah. Right. Tony, nobody wants to read the city of God by Augustine. You're like the only person who in that world would want to no, read that. It's like a whole Twitter <laughs> group that reads. They're it. reading too much of that already. That is what got them. That's right. Okay. Okay. But yeah. Dan- I want her they to should do read. So Danielle, I was going to ask you what, what did you make of not just the gift 
that the quote unquote gift that he gives her of the magazine, but her that inner monologue. Well, that her, was like, really reminiscent of the the offer that you see in the book, which is much she's much more passive. And yeah, Tony, I would have grabbed that magazine and thrown it at him and been like, Why do you think that we got in this situation? And then a a big soapbox about the male gaze. But um, but she doesn't, and I, she is so hungry to read anything. Um, so she's quoting, you know, 10 reasons why you can tell that he's into you or something. And she's like, he gives you little gifts, check. So, um, I think she'll just take what she can get. There's some sense of desperation there. Um, but yeah, I would, I would have much rather her thrown it back in, into his face. We're going to, we're going to begin to wind this down. I'm wondering if we've talked a lot about the series and the themes of the series over these first five, well, first four episodes. And then you're here with us for the fifth. What are you, if you're talking to somebody about the show or you're trying to introduce somebody to the show and encourage them to watch it, what are the two or three things that you're thinking about or wrestling with around the show that you think makes it good? I think one of the, one of the pivotal moments in this episode, particularly that I, that I think is going to be a theme throughout is, um, that they are in a, they are in a society that are trying to make sex only about procreation. And it just isn't, it just never, ever, ever is going to fit that mold. And you can tell that because, um, the wife tells her to do what she needs to do and basically says, like, you need to go find that guy and as many times as y'all need to do that. And she does. And then it's like the first kind of quasi-normal sex scene that they have. And um, it's reciprocal. And it's definitely not just about them, you know, fulfilling the the role of the house. Right. And so fulfilling their biological destiny, their biological destinies. And so, yeah, I think one of the themes of the show is like, can we come to the term to terms with the fact that that sex has never just been about procreation, and how there are always going to be these religious fundamentalists that that have made it about that. I don't know if I have time for this story, but my one of my best friends, John, um, went to Kuwait. He he uh, was stationed in Kuwait. He's an attractive African American man, very fit. He went to this bar, and they realized that he was getting hit on by all these men. And he was really shocked because Kuwait's a very conservative place. And so he was talking to the a friend of his that he went with. And the, he was like, I'm really surprised that there are that many gay men in Kuwait. And the Kuwaiti guy said to him, well, you know, women now, women are just for the procreation. So men are for pleasure now. And my friend wow. was like, oh, my gosh. And he's telling me this. And I'm like, that makes total sense, actually. I mean, it's crazy. But if you put women in a place where they're only utilitarian, you will find a way to find pleasure somewhere else, right? Um, and so you have, there's like, you will find a pocket for that somewhere in, and it will not come out in a maybe healthy reciprocal relational way in whatever way that that works for you if you don't just address that as part of what sex is, right? So I'm afraid that we're now going to get off on a tangent. Tony's clocking well, us, but I'm like, wait, wait, now we can talk about the kind of pansexuality of first century people. Like, we, this is where this comes from. We this cannot, is, no, we, 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 we can ask, can't talk we about can that. We can ask Danielle on, you know, later in, 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 at the season finale or something. Yes. But I, I want to ask you Please one more. Please come back. I want to ask you one more question, and it's a yes or no question. I just want you to answer it with a yes or no, because then we're going to do our <laughs> outro. You no know okay. commentary, Danielle. Oh my god! I'll try. Don't restrict her freedom. No, no, I'm restricting. <laughs> Let her speak, Tony. Come on, put on your hood. And you're right. 
If you were in an Offred situation, would your love for your two children be enough to get you to follow the rules yes. in the slight hope that you might see them again? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I will do anything for my children. There you go. Anything. Okay. But then again, I would also probably get off in the first episode for accidentally. <laughs> your poor children. <laughs> Danielle Schroyer is the author of Original Blessing and many other books. Thank you so much for being on Killer Serials. We hope you Hey, Tony, tell, her, tell everybody where they can find her. You can just Google Original Blessing, well, and look at the second book that comes up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first, thanks. Is it it's good? Now- She's at, uh, <laughs> f- published by Fortress Press, and you can find her at danielleschroyer.com. And you can uh, read her awesome Moltmann Monday blog posts, as well as read about her book and everything else. Danielle, thanks for coming on. Thanks, thanks Danielle. Yep. All right, you guys, you've been listening to Killer Serials, where we talk about television every week from a spiritual, theological perspective. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I was asleep before. That's how we let it happen. When they slaughtered Congress, we didn't wake up. When they blamed terrorists and suspended the Constitution, we didn't wake up then either. Now I'm awake. My name is Alfred. I had another name. Ladies, I have to let you go. It's the law now. They needed to do it this way. All the bank accounts and the jobs all at the same time. You imagine the airports otherwise? Run, run, run! You girls will serve the leaders and their barren wives. You will bear children for them. There's an eye in your house. We'll send you to the colonies. You'll be cleaning up toxic waste and then you'll die. Tonight is a celebration of Gilead and of what we have achieved. We only wanted to make the world better. Better? Better never means better for everyone. I want to keep on living for her. Remember your scripture. Blessed are the meek. And blessed are those who suffer for the cause of righteousness. Righteousness.